0: You're listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help people win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, then come and join us and be a part of the Passion Church family. You can visit our website, passionchurchmo.com, to find out more about us. There's one thing I know before we get started in the Word, and that is... uh, Ours is not a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. In other words, a mind that is stable. Now, here's here's the tactic of the enemy. The tactic of the enemy is always this, to perpetrate a lie, then to magnify that lie, and to breathe it over and over and over and over into the atmosphere until It creates pandemonium, panic, fear, anxiety. I believe that this whole uh, situation that we are facing right now with the COVID-19, I do believe that there's a virus. Please don't misunderstand that. I do believe that it is real. And I do believe that we ought to take precaution. But understand this. Things are never as severe as, as often they are portrayed and i believe that there has been a uh, principality of fear loosed over our nation by all of the naysaying and by the media and all of the hype that has been around this particular situation i'm doing everything i can to be compliant with our president and to be compliant with our state's governor and with our city mayor i will i will i'm not a man of rebellion i'm not a man to to make uh strides in the wrong direction but at the same time I'm here to be a messenger of hope and truth so that you understand this thing is not as bleak as it's being painted and there are some globalists and there are some uh, people out there that are are trying to get such panic and such fear that they've got us believing that we need to shut our economy down all you know clear up till election time I'm here to tell you that's not true and it's not going to happen so just shake it off. Shake it off. Do what, do what Paul did when he had a viper attach himself to his hand. In the middle of, of living righteous and trying to be a righteous man, he got snake bit. And this is what the enemy's trying to do to not only our nation, but the nations of the world. He's trying to catch us with his venom of lies and to get fear and panic so that people's hearts begin to fail for fear. And that literally, not only mentally, emotionally, but physically, people will die simply because of the fear of of a virus. I'm here to tell you, you don't have to fear. In fact, you don't have any trouble. All you need is faith. In God. If you have a mini God, you won't have a lot of faith. But if you understand the size of your God, you will have all the faith that you need to get you through this circumstance. So I just want you to know that that spirit of fear, that principality of fear has been cursed. We have prayed against it. It is coming down not only over our nation, but around the world. This virus will dry up as quickly as it came. Our economy that has halted will roar back even greater than it was before. You say, how can you say that? Because I know my God and I know what my God's confirming in my heart. Can you say amen to that? And to the three or four of you in the room, I will do my best to preach to you as well as to the camera here today. So glad that you could be with us. Uh, If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Joshua, the book of Joshua, We're going to go to Joshua, the 10th chapter, Joshua, the 10th chapter, when you're there, put your finger on verse, let's start with verse uh, 6. Just prior to this, let me just give you just a a background. The king of Gibeon has come under attack by a bunch of other kings, and he's called for Joshua and the children of Israel to come to his defense and to help him to ward off his enemies. And that's where the backstory starts. Verse 6, And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp in Gilgal, saying, Do not relax your hand from your servants. In other words, Please come help us. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us, for all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the hill country are gathered against us. So Joshua went up from Gilgal, he and all the warriors with him, and all the mighty men of valor. It's a good thing to know you got people that's got your back and willing to fight for you in a time of need. And that was the beauty of this story is this king realized that he's outnumbered, he's outweighed in this battle and he calls for Joshua to come and help him and he asks him please don't take this as a light thing please come help us we need you there are too many armies for us to defeat verse 8 and the lord said to Joshua do not fear them the enemies I have given them into your hand. Now, isn't it good to know when you go into a battle to have previous knowledge that you have the victory before the battle even begins. God's already told you how it's going to end. It's going to end in your favor. Can I just, I know I'm interjecting into the middle of this message, but let me just interject right real quickly. COVID-19 has already been outnumbered by God. It will not stand. It will not continue, no matter what its origins or how it was released, it will not take out thousands and thousands and thousands and millions of people. It will not because God has already given the victory to those who are faithful. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand and clap wherever you are. And the Lord said to Joshua, do not fear them for I have given them into your hand and there shall not uh, and there shall not a man of them stand before you. In other words, not a one of them will prosper not a one of them will live. Not one ounce of this disease will survive, ladies and gentlemen. Verse 9, So Joshua came upon them suddenly, having gone up from Gilgal all night. Verse 10, And the Lord caused the enemies to panic before Israel, who slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon. Did you hear that? The Lord caused the enemies to panic before Israel, who slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, and chased them along the way that goes up to Beth-horon, and smote them as far as, as Azka and Makeda. As they fled before Israel, while they were descending the pass of Bethram, the Lord cast great stones from heaven. It says hail in one in one version, great stones from heaven on them as far as Eska, killing them. No more died because of the hailstones than the Israelites slew with a store, sword. In other words, more died because of the hailstones than Israel slew. With a sword. In other words, God got involved with the battle. He told Joshua. Don't you worry, not one man is going to stand when all of this is done. And Joshua and the men of Gibeon and the and those armies did all that they could do, but when the enemy took off and started to flee, and they began to chase the enemy, God got involved in the battle so that not a one of them would get away, and he began to throw down large hailstones. Now, I don't know if they were stones or if they were literally hail from the sky, but they were big enough to kill the enemy. The enemy. Verse 12. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord on that day, and when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the Israelites, he said in the sight of Israel, Son, be silent. He said in the sight of Israel, Son, S-U-N, be silent, and stand still upon Gibeon, and you, moon, in the valley of Ahon, Ahalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon "...stayed until the nation took vengeance upon their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Jasher? And the sun stood still in the midst of the heavens and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there was no day like it before or since when the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel." Then Joshua returned with all of Israel with him to the camp of Gilgal. Mm. (laughs) I love it when the Lord gets involved with our battles, when the Lord gets involved in our difficulties, when the Lord gets involved in our our difficult moments and our difficult times. Now, if you have your Bible, turn with me to, to Genesis. I'm going to mesh two stories together today, if that's all right with you. Genesis, the 26th chapter. Genesis 26, we're going to start with verse 1, we're going to read from verse 1 to 6, and then from 12 to 19. I'm putting two stories together on purpose because I've got a message you need to hear. I'm reading out of the Amplified, a little more wordy, but it doesn't have all the these and the vowels. a little more of an English translation. Genesis 26 and verse 1. And there was a famine in the land. Oh, come on. Other than the former famines that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. In other words, there was a famine, so he took his family and his tribe and his people, and they went and they camped in a different land that was doing better. And the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt, live in the land of which I will tell you, dwell temporarily in this land and I will be with you and will favor you with blessings for to you and your descendants, I will give all these lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. He's letting Isaac understand that everything I spoke to your father will come to pass, and it will come to pass to you. And as it comes to pass to you, understand this, that everything you're seeing, all the places you're passing through belong to you. Oh, that's my God right there. And I will make your descendants to multiply as the stars of the heavens and will give to you Give to your posterity all these lands, kingdoms, and by your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, or by him bless themselves. For Abraham listened to and obeyed my voice and kept my charge and my commands and my statutes and my laws. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. Now let's go over to verse 12. In between there, the Lord's just saying things to him more about the blessing. Verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in the land, the land that God has told him to go to. Now he went there hoping it would be more prosperous, but when he got there, it was a different story. Look at this. Then Isaac sowed seed in the land and received in the same year a hundred times as much as he planted, and the Lord favored him with blessings. And the man became great and gained more and more until he became very wealthy and distinguished. One thing you need to understand, there was famine in all the lands around. He was moving around to try to feed his family. He got to another land that was still dealing uh, with uh, famine. And here they are in an impoverished situation, in a time of famine, and uh, God begins to bless him. Everything he plants grows all of his animals multiply everything he puts his hand to becomes a blessing and the man became great and gained more and more until he became very wealthy and distinguished he stood out among the wealthy men he owned flocks and herds and a great supply of servants and the philistines envied him mm. Now all the wells which his father's uh, servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had closed and filled with earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we are. They began to fear this man of great wealth, this man of great blessing. So Isaac went away from there and pitched his tents in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water, which had been dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham and gave them to the names by which his father had called them. Now Isaac's servants dug in the valley And found there a well of spring, of living spring water. They found there a well of living spring water. Father, I thank you for allowing me to take these two stories, Father, to bring one mighty message. I'm asking, Father, today that you add your blessing to the word which is already blessed, already anointed. But your servant, Father, your servant needs your help. I ask you, Lord, to help me to convey what's on your heart, not what's on my paper, but to convey what's on your heart and what you desire to say to your people in a time of famine, in a time of trouble, in a time of distance. God, I thank you, and I praise you, and I worship you. In the name of Yeshua, our Jesus, amen, amen. So let's go back real quickly, if we can, to the first thing that we talked about, which is Joshua. If I was going to title our message today, it would be divine reset. Divine reset. You see, Israel uh, was an ally, and their ally was under attack, Gibeon. And because they were under attack, Joshua was summoned for help. And the battle started... After they had traveled all night long, when Joshua's army got to the place that they were ready to go to battle, they had already been traveling all night. Night long. The battle started when they were tired. I'm making a point here. It's when you get tired of well doing that the enemy comes to try to pick a fight with you. It comes when you're not expecting it. It comes in a season when you think you're on top and you're feeling pretty good about where you are, but you've been working and diligent and going and pushing and doing what you can for the kingdom. And it's at that moment that you are tired. How many remember Elijah when he got into trouble after Mount Carmel? He'd worked a mighty work and worked a mighty thing for God. But in that moment, in the season that followed it, uh, he found himself worn out and being beat up by his enemy, simply by the words of his enemy. It didn't even take a strike against him. All it took was words that were negative to bring him down. And so I want you to see something here, that God gets in the battle with you whenever you're tired and you're worn out, and that's where we have to rely upon our God, and not have a mini God, but have a mighty God when we get to a moment like this, because when you're tired is when the enemy wants to attack, when the enemy wants to come against you. They had marched all night, but they also had the word of the Lord. And when you operate on the word of God, I want you to understand that if your faith is in a mighty God who keeps his word, then even when you're tired, even when you're worn out, you can stand up and fight the battle and win because God has given you something to stand on and let you know that you are a victorious believer. You are more more than an overcomer. I know you're in your home right now you I can't see you but slap your neighbor a high five right now and let them know you are more than an overcomer. They got into the battle, and the battle was going well. But the problem was as they were running out of daylight. There were so many enemies coming into the battle, they were running out of daylight. There was not enough sunlight to get them through the situation. There was not enough uh, um, uh, sunlight for them in the midst of the battle. So here they are. And they're fighting, and the sun begins to look as if it's going to go down. And so uh, for some reason, somehow, Joshua understood we need more daylight because you can't fight very well in the dark, especially in this day and age. And so he's, he's thinking to himself, I need Daylight. How many times have you needed daylight? How many times, thank you, how many times have you needed God to show up in the middle of your situation and you just needed a little more time for you to get the full victory in your situation? So Joshua does something that was new to Joshua. He prophesies. Mm -hmm. He prophesies to the sun, you stay still. And then he speaks to the moon. You stay still. Don't move until we're through. If you'll excuse me, I'm going to get a drink of water real quick. Look at this. Now look at this. Joshua prophesied for the sun to stand still and the moon to not move until we avenge our enemy. Oh, God, give us one long day to just wail on our enemy. Give us some long days, God, that we can come against our enemy and pulverize him into dust in verse 13 it tells us that it obeyed (laughs) God honored Joshua's word and the sun and the moon obeyed and honored Joshua's words for a full day wow (laughs) I'm going to show you something Cambridge University did a study, and and they did a study on a a, a stone tablet found from Egypt. I've seen pictures of it. Found in Egypt in 1800 and... I wrote it down, I thought. 1896. In 1896, this was uncovered in an archaeological dig, and it's just a small... The top of it is oval and it comes down and it's squared off at the bottom and it has hieroglyphics on it. You can see, you can see the Egyptian paintings on it, and then it has script and it's written. And what's written on it, it's dated from 3224 BCE. No, wait a minute. 1207 BCE. 1207 BCE. That makes it 3,224 years old. And it's dated October 30th. October 30th, 1207 BCE. And it is recorded there about this event. There is proof that the Word of God is true look it up I'm not making it up and they call it a particular type of an eclipse that caused the Sun and the moon to halt mm-hmm. this event is recorded in stone <laughs> Never has there been a day like it before, and never has there been a day like it since, but it's written in stone, it happened by our awesome Almighty God. And God gave Joshua, ladies and gentlemen, a reset or an extension on that day for a godly purpose, and that godly purpose was to defeat the enemies for someone else. God gave Joshua a divine reset that he could pulverize the enemies on someone else's behalf. God is giving the church a divine reset, ladies and gentlemen, to pulverize the enemy to, to, to make him into dust, to, to annihilate his assignments and his agendas. I want you to know this is nothing but a thing that we're going through church. God is setting us up for a divine reset. Mm-hmm. Wow. Woo. Here's the beauty. God joined the battle. God not only gave them a divine reset to pulverize the enemy, but when it looked like the enemy might escape, God got involved in the battle. God showed down in the battle. God showed up in the battle. God annihilated. He started throwing stones from heaven. Pow, pow, Pow! And everyone Joshua's sword couldn't take out. Oh, pow, God took out with accurate aim. Oh, no, you don't, devil. You're not getting away, and God will get in the middle of your circumstance and cast stones at the enemy. He has the right to cast a stone. When he stood before the little woman that day, and he looked around and said, where's your accusers? Because he told those who are without sin can cast the first stone. And everyone remained silent and slinked off somewhere else, knowing that their own condition didn't give them the right to condemn somebody else. But when God stands against the devil, he's got all the righteousness uh, of heaven backing him. And when he casts a stone, it's accurate, and he takes the enemy out. Mm. So it rained hail from the sky over the amalgamated armies of the enemies. And the hail took out more soldiers than the swords of Joshua and Gibeon's armies combined. Woo, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand God wants to join the fight. And we need a divine reset. Who could say amen to that? The word divine means ordained by God or God breathed, and reset means to set again. What are you trying to say, Pastor? God's trying to reestablish his church. I'm going to let that hang in the air for just a moment while I breathe. God is trying to reestablish the church of Jesus Christ. He's trying to reestablish something that is godly. That is why he's put the world on hold. That is why the the idols have fallen before uh, God. He is trying to reset uh, his order, his structure, his church, and his people. This setback is really not a setback. It is a divine reset. Get that in your vocabulary. This is not a setback. This is a reset. God is breathing on his church again because he's looking for a righteous people who won't compromise, who won't run to the world, who won't act like the world, who he's getting, if I can just say this, I believe that uh, like God has suspended the the son uh, for Joshua, God has suspended life as we know it for us because the world has been halted. He has pulled down false idols, the NFL, the the MLB, the NHL, NASCAR, NSL, Hollywood, Nashville, L.A. They've all laid on their face. They're all prostrate. They cannot move. And many of those who sing about, uh, you know, all the beer slinging and all the things they do, now we're coming online and singing the songs of Zion singing the old hymns of the church they want the world to have hope and guess where they're looking they're looking to the God of the Bible they're looking to the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob they're looking to our God Jesus they're looking to Yeshua Ladies and gentlemen, he's resetting the church to put our focus back on the true God. He's drawing the line between the remnant church and the apostate church. There will be no blurred lines. Church blended in sin wields no power with God, only men. Oh, but God is looking for his separated, sold out, uncompromised church. He's looking to awaken the remnant of this generation, this moment of suspension is for a refocus. Isn't it funny that it's happening in the year 2020? Oh, I know at the first of the year, I kind of came down on pastors who would go so quickly to a knee jerk and say God is refocusing in the year 2020 because that doesn't take any, any uh, a word from God to prophesy. That is a given. But understand, look at this, what God is doing. Isn't it funny? That he is refocusing in the year 2020. There's a reason God has a sense of humor. It's tongue in cheek to him, to you and I. It is serious word. God is awakening the remnant. America has become so busy and inundated by the fast pace of our modern day overload, and so much so that we have lost our ability to communicate without an electronic device. We have abandoned family meals together. We have abandoned family altars. We have abandoned family devotions and family discussions and game night. And as the church is concerned, we have abandoned corporate prayer. We've abandoned word studies. We've abandoned fellowship outside of the walls. We have abandoned regular attendance. And don't tell me me seeing you once every six weeks is enough for you to get what you need from God. You need to be in the household of faith. Forsake not the assembling. Of yourselves, uh, but God had to put the whole thing on hold for us to get the un- understanding and the hunger to want to come back to the household of faith and get re-energized by His power. So let's uh, understand that the church has for has lost corporate uh, uh, prayer fellowship, regular attendance, commitment, and devotion. No one stays committed to anything any longer, and no one's devoted to anyone. There is no loyalty in the house of God. There's only those that want to fight the agenda of the house or fight the man of the house or fight fight the vision of the house. But I'm here to tell you the words makes it very, very clear not to forsake the assembling but to get in and to be a part. God is resetting the strength of the church Isaac the man who's favored with God brought to him to such uh, with God brought him to such favor and prosperity that his neighbors asked him to move think about that he was so prosperous so blessed so powerful that his neighbors were like would you leave Think about that. Would you mind moving? You're showing us up. Look at this. God wants to prosper his people like that again. But like Isaac, we're trying to squat on someone else's territory. And this is why it was a threat to those who allowed Isaac and his clan to be on their territory and they became an irritant to their neighbors because they could see no difference between them, the, him and them. And why was he getting all the blessing and they were not? Why was he getting all of the blessing and they weren't? We, become, we need to become an irritant to our neighbors because they need to see no difference between us and them and wonder why we are so blessed. They want us to stop squatting and robbing what they perceive is their blessing. Get with me now. Get with me. It is time for us to redig the wells of our father. Understand this what's happening in this time of reset. Let me let me get this across to you cuz I'm not sure I communicated it well yet. Let me get this across to you. The reason Isaac's neighbors were upset with him was because He's working in the very same land that they are, and he's pulling prosperity out of it, and they keep pulling poverty out of it. To look at him, there was nothing different than them, so why is he blessed and we are not? (laughs) Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the church to quit looking like the world. We're squatting on the world's... uh, blueprint. We're trying to build the church on a worldly social blueprint. Well, I don't know how I got into this, but I'm going to finish this. We're trying to build a church that is so friendly to the world that when they come in, it feels just like the way they've always lived. And so they can just comfortably assimilate into the household of faith. That is the last thing that God wants is for people to come into his presence and not change. We have all the bells, all the whistles. I'm not throwing stones at that. We have mega churches. But I'm just wondering, is God getting tired of mega church? Is God starting to look for sincere heartfelt, sold-out children of the Most High God, people who pray, people who congregate, people who come together, people who socialize one with another, people who don't uh, lay down in the heat of the battle, but those who will call for the sun to stand still while they're in the battle so that they can get God to come into the battle with them and annihilate their enemy. Mm hmm It's time to redig the wells of our forefathers because the world is tired of our slick productions and our mega-seating. They want miracles, wonders, sincerity, devotion, sold-out children of the Most High God. They want to know that when we pray for them, they can believe that things will change. They want to come and hear a message that doesn't tell them they're okay, but tells them you need to repent so that you don't end up in a sinner's hell. They need a church with a backbone. They need a church that'll stand up when there's a disease that's plaguing the land and run in between them like Aaron did uh, with a uh, an, uh, with with a uh, uh, an incense altar and stand between uh, the the plague and God and the people and the plague and let the let, let the, uh, the the incense arise before them what that incense represents the prayers of the saints ladies and gentlemen the world is waiting for us to get off our duff And get out of our closet and stop shaking behind our sealed houses and begin to pray, begin to call out, begin to call down, begin to annihilate this principality that's hanging in the atmosphere over our nation and around the world and bring this fear to its knees. Mm, I've got to finish. If we're going to redig the old wells and go back to the old places where there's refreshing waters and springs of life, understand that it is work. We will need to dig and dig and dig and dig to regain what we have already wasted away. But just like Isaac, there is a reward for our digging because there are living waters and springs of refreshing that are waiting for the saints. Now that God has put us on hold, he has Sabbathed the whole world. He has put the world on hold. I'm going to share something here, but I'm not going on a tangent. Listen. I remember when the blue law was repealed. I was working in retail merchandising when the blue law was repealed. And we took away, it used to be, as you would drive the streets of your city right now, it would look like a typical Sunday afternoon back in the day but when we repealed the blue law in about 1976 suddenly commerce was was able to be uh carried on on sunday there was no more sabbath rest in america and we began to to Take on worldly ways, and pretty soon I've watched that gravitate to where the church is not revered at all in our nation anymore. We uh, on Wednesday nights now, which is typically the midweek service for most churches in America. Now the world has uh, bypassed the fact that it used to be that it was revered, and nothing happened on Wednesday nights because of church. Now everything is open on Wednesday night. It used Used to be that on Sundays things were closed. People didn't do anything. People didn't really travel anywhere on Sunday because that was reserved for rest in God and observance of God. But now everything happens on Sunday. There are main events that Pull people from the house of worship to worship in a football stadium or to worship in a major league baseball stadium, just on and on and on. You could name, you could name it and go down the line down to even my favorite passion is hot rodding. But now the hot rodders don't do it on Friday night and cruise in on Saturdays. They they now do it on Sunday during church time. And I just want you to know that God has put the whole world on a Sabbath rest. Why? Because he's giving us a divine reset. How many have found it a little bit refreshing? You don't want to admit it. You don't want to raise your hand. But it's been a little bit refreshing not to have to keep up with all the routine of your schedule that you normally have to keep up with, but you've had a little extra time. You've had a few moments that you didn't have to worry about the next thing coming down the pike. But now that God has put us on hold and He's Sabbath the world, no one in the world and a few in the church honor Sabbath anymore. It's not a day, it's not a day that God's looking for. It's an attitude that God's looking for. He's not looking for us to to reestablish Sunday as the day of Sabbath, although I believe it'd be the best thing in the in the in the uh, uh, um, what I want to say, in the benefit of our nation. But what he's looking for is a, an attitude of the heart that says, I revere you, God. The attitude that says, you're all I need. He's looking for, uh, he's looking for the church to understand he has put everything on hold because he has slid open a window of timing. A time to redig the place of our true dependence, which is on our God. God is giving us time, church, to dig because when this lifts, I'm telling you, we're going to be going to two and to three and maybe four services on Sunday morning because people are getting a wake up call. Some will go back to the pig slop, some will go back to the old things, but the remnant church better wake up. The remnant church is getting a wake up call. Get up and dig, get up and dig, get up and dig because the anxiety and the unsurity of the world that lies out there beyond the walls are going to come in looking to see if you have anything different, and if they can't find it here, they'll go back to the pig slop, and their blood will be on our hands. God is expecting us to stand up in this day. It is time to redig the place of our true dependence, which is our God. It is time to reestablish the lost art of true worship, not worship that is uh, that, that starts with a song, worship that starts in the heart of the believer and is backed up by the song and the song of the church. But a song in the heart is what God's looking for when you can sing him a new song about how wonderful he is and how good he has been to you. God is looking to reestablish individually and family and corporately everything that's been lost to the church. He wants springs of refreshing. And ladies and gentlemen, it is time for a reset. It is time for a God breathed, God ordained reset. So grab your shovel and let's get digging. Grab your shovel, church. Let's start to dig. It's time to dig. It's time to dig a place uh, that will get you to the place of true, refreshing. Austin, if you'd come. Oh, it's time to dig. It's time to dig. It's time to dig. In second, Chronicles, we've said this in the 7th chapter, uh, 2nd Chronicles 7, 14. We have quoted this to the point that it has become so cliche that it has no meaning to us, but God is bringing us back saying, dig up, dig up. Get back to digging in the word. Get back to digging in my truth. Get back to digging in the things that are concrete in this life. Get back to the wells of refreshing. And if my people, called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then then and only then i will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land so lord add your favor to our digging so we can reset the church of jesus christ the remnant church the church triumphant Lord, we need you like never before. I said a lot of things with a lot of energy, but here's what you need to understand. God's looking for you. Is he going to have to come and drag you out of a football arena? Are you going to make him contend for your attention at a baseball game or NASCAR race? Are you going to make Him contend for your attention, worshiping around your electronic device? More interested in what's going on in the world and everybody's little tweet and everybody's little quote and everybody's little quip and their little news feed than His Word? More, an awful lot of our nation and an awful lot of Christians put more faith in the news media than we do the word of God which says no plague shall come nigh my dwelling. Am I denying there's a plague? No. I'm saying I serve a God bigger than it. And so are you. But if we sit behind our sealed houses all scared to death, then nothing can happen. While we're in this time of sabbatical, we need to be on our face crying out unto our God, giving Him the honor and the glory that is due Him and Him alone. And Today is the day of divine reset. And I don't know where you're at. I can't see you today, but I know this. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to dig into this reset. And we're going to be poised and ready because there are going to be babes coming through that door who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're going to need someone to not only preach a message to them so that they respond, but to stay with them until they grow up. To work with them when they're making messes. To help them when they're struggling. To get them from point A to point B until we get them across the finish line. And tag your it. God's looking for you. But is it going to be another six weeks before you show up to the house of God? Are you going to show up when you feel like it? Are you going to pay your tithe when you feel like it? Are you going to give your offerings when you feel like it? Are you going to read the Word when you feel like it? Pray when you feel like it? Fellowship when you feel like it? Are you going to let the Word of God be the Word of God? That is the question. I want you to pray with me. Father, right now in the name of Jesus for everyone that's watching, Father, I thank you and I praise you for everyone in this building. Father, I thank you and praise you that we are the remnant and we have decided that we are not going back and we are not going to that place of the past. But we're coming, Father, back to the wells that need to be redug. We're going to not squat in the land that doesn't belong to us any longer. We're not going to squat on someone else's land. We're not going to squat in the world. But we're going to redig the wells of righteousness and holiness and purity and cleansing and refreshing. We are going to be the remnant, and we are going to be the church that is triumphant. And we are going to be the church that is poised and ready, and we are going to be the church that is equipped, and we are going to be the church that helps the world. Come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for everyone that is committing their heart right now to the remnant assignment of the church of Jesus Christ, for our time is growing shorter. And these little incidents like we're going through right now are designed by man, and they're going to keep being designed, and the church had better stand up, and we'd better get a hold of this thing. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you honor. We give you praise. I ask, Lord, that your blessing would land upon each and every one who's been a part of this today. We give you the honor and the glory and the praise in Jesus' mighty name. And if you'd like to give, I believe we have it up on the screen where I can look behind me and see it. If you want to give to us, you can give online by giving to PassionChurch.com. Give, I'm sorry, it's Give to Passion. Give to Passion.com Or you can drop a check in the mail to Passion Church, 1018 North Cedar, Cameron, Missouri, 64429. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you on Facebook or Instagram at Passion Church Mo. Until next time, God bless.